This is Against All Enemies, a show about threats to American democracy. Political violence is on the rise. An alarming percentage of Americans believe they may have to take up arms against their neighbors. Some are already doing so. Against All Enemies highlights the activities of extremist organizations and their enablers. Our goal is to educate, not to alarm. The threats are real. But if we know what we are up against, together we can beat them. It's Ken Harbaugh with Against All Enemies on the Midas Touch Network. Donald Trump just amplified a key piece of Nazi ideology during an anti-immigrant diatribe. In response to an interview question about immigration, the former president said, it's poisoning the blood of our country. That is a direct lift from Mein Kampf, Adolf Hitler's prison manifesto, in which he referred on multiple occasions to the blood of his countrymen being poisoned by other races. Here's the former president using nearly identical language. Nobody has any idea where these people are coming from. And we know they come from prisons. We know they come from mental institutions, insane asylums. We know they're terrorists. Nobody has ever seen anything like we're witnessing right now. It is a very sad thing for our country. Uh, It's poisoning the blood of our country. Uh, It's so bad. And people are coming in with disease. People are coming in with, with every possible thing that you can have. That expression, poisoning the blood of our country, is not something that just rolls off the tongue. It's an intentional, targeted message with a dark history. Here's just one of several passages from Mein Kampf that references poisoning of the blood. All great cultures of the past perished only because the original creative race died out from blood poisoning. Of course, the sycophants surrounding the former president are, as always, inventing excuses. His spokesman called the expression a, quote, normal phrase that is used in everyday life. I'm sorry, but the only place that phrase is normal today is in online Nazi chat rooms. But what makes these comments even more dangerous is the fact that Trump's rhetoric and his ideas, we know by now what happens to them. They seep into the fabric of a large swath of our country, largely people who identify as Republicans. Ideas that used to be unspeakable and unthinkable become acceptable, even party dogma. We know the former president has a long history of using racist tropes and signals. He infamously met with avowed neo-Nazi Nick Fuentes at Mar-a-Lago. And just a few weeks ago, on the Jewish holy day of Rosh Hashanah, he put out this message on Truth Social attacking liberal Jews who, quote, voted to destroy America. The problem is, once the former president starts using this language, once he starts spreading these ideas, others take them up. That's what mainstreaming means. It's not just fringe neo-Nazis parading through Florida. It's a bunch of high school boys in Wisconsin rendering a Nazi salute in a group photo on the courthouse steps before their junior prom. It's a high school football coach in Ohio using the word Nazi as a play call against a team from a predominantly Jewish community. That happened 10 minutes from where I live. Donald Trump's rhetoric has real-world effects. And as we all know all too well, given the events of January 6th, when a mob of Trump supporters believing Trump's lies about the U.S. election results stormed the Capitol, the impact of Trump's rhetoric is easily seen on the streets. New York Times reports this on anti-migrant protests that took place in New York City last month, quote, 
The loudspeaker on a quiet Staten Island street blasted demands at 117 decibels, louder than a dog barking in your ear, pointed at a school that is sheltering some of the 110,000 migrants who have arrived in New York City over the last year and a half. The message could not have been more unwelcoming. Quote, immigrants are not safe here. Signs reading protect our children were nailed to utility poles. Protesters wore shirts emblazoned with American flags and images of former President Donald Trump's face. Today, Donald Trump's hold on the Republican Party is as strong as ever, and he is its presumptive nominee for president. What he says cannot be dismissed because over time, his paranoia becomes his party's. His racist, anti-Semitic sentiments become his party's. And now with his explicit adoption of Hitlerian language attacking immigrants, we've crossed another threshold. I asked Dr. Kathleen Ballou about Trump's incorporation of Nazi themes into his rhetoric and what it means for our politics going forward. Kathleen literally wrote the book on America's modern-day white power movement. I'll put a link below. I think you'll find her perspective incredibly valuable. Kathleen, I want you to help us understand what is going on here. There's an animal instinct he has when it comes to political messaging. And part of this also has to be about the people he's surrounded himself with. How is he getting these dog whistles into his vocabulary? How are they making it into our political dialogue? From where we're sitting, it's very difficult to say, is this something that was simply written into a speech of his? Is this something that is in his mind? Is this something that an aide told him to say? I have no idea. What I can tell you is the effect. Um, that is a clear, um, you know, not even dog whistle so much as just a whistle to the folks in the white power movement who follow the idea that immigration is a pollution, quote unquote, of the national blood, the idea that immigrants are somehow going to dilute and um, ruin the best parts of the nation. And for the most extreme activists, it's signaling Trump's openness to much more extreme and much more violent positions than he took even in his first term in office. Um, I read that as an escalation. Um, and also as sort of evidence of a continued disregard for any concern about using those positions. I mean, I think were you or I or most politicians to inadvertently quote from a source like this, the the move, if that is an innocent mistake, would be to immediately say, oh, sorry about that. I didn't realize. Right. Um, we know that he doesn't do that. So um, I think there is no effort to put distance between himself and the most extreme parts of, of his base. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've got a quick break here, but I need a favor first. Shows like this depend on your support. Please, if you can spare five seconds, click the link to the podcast version of the show below and leave us a five-star review. It really does help. Thanks. Well, the permission structure he's created, we are already seeing the the effects of it in in things like the Moms for Liberty newsletter that quoted Hitler as well. This is something that just a few years ago would have ended an organization or at least gotten someone fired. Now, the response always seems to be to double down. And I want to reshare this clip of one of the leaders of Moms for Liberty uh, not only sticking up for the the member who put that quote into that newsletter, uh, but 
leading the crowd in um in in a cheer of support it's it's really over the top play the clip i don't know what to say there is always a bridge there's always a reason there's always a reason why something happens right yes one of our moms in a newsletter post hitler I stand with that mom. So Donald Trump has created a permission structure for the toleration of Nazi propaganda for Hitler quotes. We see other uh, effects of this in in the way literal Nazis, not even neo-Nazis, literal Nazis are parading uh, across Florida. And I, I, I think we all expected that there would be a political consensus in condemning this kind of thing. There doesn't seem to be. Um, the governor of Florida has nothing to say about the, the Nazis in his state. What's your reaction as someone who studies this stuff? I think that there has not been a condemnation of much of this quite broadly since January 6th. Um, so I think we're on the trajectory of public comment that started with the sort of this is just a normal tourist visit claim when we all saw on television that that's not what it was um, and has really escalated into disavowal of what happened that day and also just a growing acceptance of the presence of these groups in our broader culture and society. So, um, you know, one important part of that story is that we have to do the work of connecting all of these things together. Um, so Nazis on the March in Florida needs to be in the same sort of reporting as the Proud Boys showing up to intimidate school boards and libraries, as people showing up to intimidate election workers, um, and in the same thinking as the uh, the people we usually describe erroneously as lone gunmen who show up and commit mass shootings for the same political ideology. Um, all of this is an interconnected problem. And the failure to disavow, you know, any one part of it is is part of a, a deliberate strategy to keep us from understanding the whole. Um, the fact that Trump is now openly marshalling this ideology and these symbols is really a concerning development because um, I think it really leads to two equally disastrous sort of courses of action if he's reelected. I think. One has to do with authoritarianism, with threats to the rule of law, with gutting of democratic institutions, um, threats to free elections. And the other has to do with threats to the nation itself. Um, the idea that these activists since the 1980s have been interested in overthrowing the U.S., that course of action leads to, you know, sabotage efforts, war from within, mass casualty attacks against uh, vulnerable groups, um, and I mean, they would like to to lead to race war. So both of these things are threatening for in, in different ways. But um, however you slice it, this is a time of incredible danger for free elections in the United States.